Warning, this podcast features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. Oh, yeah? Hey, there we go. We could be. We might be fucking OBS. We're live, live, ladies and gentlemen, here on the I'm No Joe YouTube channel. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, we have got a slew of interesting fights to talk about and a gaggle of fine folks here to break it down and talk some shit with us. So first and foremost... I guess we've got to call... I mean, is it still technically the, the interim new guy since the, the call-out's been made? I mean, I guess current interim new guy, I think, is the, the correct status. He's got the no. discount double-check going already, man. See? You gotta watch out. What's up, RJ? What's going on, guys? Good, uh, good to be here uh, this Thursday. I'm looking forward to this. Um, a couple good fights, and then... I'd also like to mention that if you go to um, uh, the UFC website, uh, it says there's a prelim, but there's no early prelim. Um, UFC, fix your shit. I mean, to be fair, I, I showed you guys in the, in the group chat yesterday, the UFC still, as of this afternoon when I checked again, is showing uh, newcomer Bill Algio has no legs. He has yeah. zero-inch leg reach. I mean, hey, they need I'm, to, uh... I'm all for equality, but that might not be a UFC kind of fight. That might be a, a fight I mean, circus. There, <laughs> to be fair, there was one w -amp double uh, amputee MMA fighter. He did pretty good. He was a hell of a wrestler, you know. But yep. you know, his striking game was pretty was pretty bad. He just couldn't get his feet underneath him. Right? Yeah. Just it's hard to get a leg up when you're fighting from that <laughs> position. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to one-up Bellator by um, signing the no legs since they were dumb enough not to sign yeah, Nick Yeah, because they let Newell go. That's kind of what I was like. Really? You guys are totally missing the boat twice now. Fuck. <laughs> oh, but across the octagon from that young man there, his interim new guy challenger, the discount double checker himself, the freshest guest a man could ask for, Mr. Fresho 3. How you doing this evening, brother? Uh... My neck's getting a little sore from practicing my shooting star press off the top of the uh, off the top of the octagon, but I figure I figure when RJ goes for a right cross, I can catch him. I can catch him with the DDT, and you know it always worked for Jake the Snake Roberts. That's right. Just You're dead man, out. Rogers. You're dead man. <laughs> no man, dude. You gotta no. If you're going Jake the Snake, you gotta bring out. The diamond cutter and hit a, some some DDP shit. I was gonna say the that's I was gonna say that's DDP. I'm talking Jake the Snake Roberts. We're going old school, old son. School, I'm planting son. you on the top of the. I'm planting you on the top of your dome. That's right. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. And then, more often than not, as is the case across the octagon from myself, my Wednesday night compatriot most weeks, the combat talking shit. Homeboy, I go to the most, the one and only Golf T Vapes himself. How you doing, TJ? Doing excellent. 
ready to get this um, show on the road because there's some ups and downs in this that me. It's not bad. It's not the worst card they've put out in the last right? month and a half, I'll say. Yeah, there you go. That's I'll, I'll absolutely agree with that. So before we jump into the punchy, kicky shenanigans, as has been told to me by folks much smarter than myself time and time again, let you find folks know where you can get some more of this as this is a thing that you enjoy. You can catch us on basically every social media platform out there. We are on Facebook at I'm No Joe, Instagram at I'm No Joe, obviously at YouTube, on YouTube at I'm No Joe, and also, if understandably, these Instagram influencer-level faces are too much of a distraction for you, fret not, mon ami, we have got you covered there as well. You can also get the all-audio version of the I'm No Joe podcast through your podcast consumption platform of choice over on anchor.fm slash I'm No Joe. And if you want to support the shenanigans that we do around here, and we do appreciate it, get your name thrown on the end of a video and shit, Get access to the behind-the-scenes, the unaired, and even the unairable shit from the channel. Patreon.com slash I'm No Joe. That being said, we have a pair of cards to talk about this weekend. One of them, basically top to bottom fucking fireworks, and the other one, well, it's got some interesting stuff on it. So, unfortunately... In this case, we have to go fireworks first. Um, the fireworks that I'm talking about right now would be Uncle Chael's Submission Underground 17 taking place August 30th. Oh my goodness, this this might be the most stacked Submission Underground card Uncle Chael has put together yet. I'm not going to make you guys sit through a full breakdown of the full card because I know not everybody that tunes in is all jujitsu like some of us are, so we're going to get... The condensed version. We're going to give you the uh, the top four. Two of the great one-on-one -on -one fights. And then we, we have to talk about that fucking main card over there. So, first out. The one I want to talk about real quick. The kind of... The dip-your-toe-in-the-water fight, if you will. That I would recommend for those of you who aren't necessarily a fan of the more aggressive jujitsu, Not necessarily full MMA competitions that Uncle Chael puts on over there. Roberto Jimenez versus Jesse Taylor. This is JT Money, Mr. 10th Planet, former UFC Ultimate, uh, Ultimate Fighter challenger, JT Money. I believe he was on the Let Me Bang Bro season. I'm not 100%, but I think he was. Um, and Roberto Jimenez was the runner-up to Mason Fowler. He literally tore his way up the other side of the bracket as Mason Fowler was tearing his way up to meet Craig Jones. And then literally in the last match... Mason got him for the chance to go on and fight Craig Jones, and, well, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, JT Money is, is solid. If you look at his social media, that dude doesn't stop fucking training. He's always after it. But the problem is, is that Roberto Jimenez is, like, that annoying young protege that just shows up at the gym one day, and he's like, oh, you guys do that? Yeah, well, watch this. And then does every fucking thing you can do as good, if not better, than you. And he's 19. The kid still has starter mustache going on. And he is a fucking world breaker in the jujitsu domain. Um, the match between him and Mason was surprising. And it was basically just a lack of experience, in my opinion, that got him out of there. But I think in this situation, knowing what he's up against, knowing that if he can make another run like he did last time, he could have a chance at that submission underground belt. I think that young man might have went back and done himself a little bit of studying, and I think JT Money's going to have his fucking work cut out for him. I think 
this might be one of those situations where we see kind of a uh, a Nicky Rod 2.0, if you will, uh, a young kid that just shows up, learns everything like a fucking sponge, sucks up all that knowledge, and then you just watch him kind of evolve and develop his own style. And Jimenez is a fucking firecracker, and he's smooth as a baby's ass, both facially and in his style. So that could pose a lot of problems for uh, a guy like JT Money. Uh, I think Jimenez is going to take it. Um, I had, I'm leaning towards the crowd, the, I, he's not even an old, he's not even know that old. Yeah. I think JT Money's like 34. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm leaning towards the crap. I'm leaning towards the craftiness, but that's kind of the beauty of submission underground is that I, and, and thank God, uh, uncle trail posts these the next day. Cause a lot of times I don't get to watch them on Sundays. Um, right. but you're able to go watch them on YouTube on, on Monday anyway. Yep. So, which is fucking fantastic. Uh, thank you, Uncle Chael. Uh, that's why we're still tracking you, my friend. That's right. Um, but I think I think uh, I think JT I think Taylor might be crafty enough to to slip one in on the young dude. I don't think I don't think there's going to be too many more days where people are going to be able to slip one past this kid. Right. I think this might be might be one of the last times you're able to see see a crafter dude. But the great thing about Submission Underground is like you really can get caught anytime and it's anybody, anybody can get caught. Yes, sir. Um, so yeah, I will, I will, I will go with JT just on, just cause I think he's crafty enough to pull one over on the kid, um, slip something in on him. But I mean, this is, a, this is a really hesitant pick. There's only, there's only one on this. There's only one on this card that I'm really, really certain of yeah. who the winner is <laughs> going to be. Um, well, I'm guessing we'll probably talk about that fight next, but this this one really could go either way. Um, but I th- I'm going to give it to the experience at this point, just because I think that I, I think that uh, that Taylor's I think that he I think he's crafty enough to pull something off. So I could see that. I'm going to have to agree with Meter on this one. I have to think it's the young guy. He's been looking really, really slick, and for because he's so young. You're more of a sponge at that age where you can pick up new tricks. And every time you get beat, you learn how to adjust your flow from there. That Super Saiyan style. That that young kid, the man, he's going to be dangerous. If he ever decides he wants to transition into full-blown MMA, oh, people are going to have their fucking hands full with that kid. Fuck yeah. Oh, I have to give to him an ass. Nothing against Taylor, but you didn't mean... You didn't make it on the UFC, so I'm going to say you're not going to make it on here in Submission Underground for this one. I think the young guy comes in and gets it done. Not saying the crafty old, I can't even call him old, but <laughs> old crafty man. veteran yeah. can't get it done because it's a possibility. But I think that young slickness and the, the lack of facial follicles is going to make it a little bit easier for him to slip out of some things and move into a dominant position Take a good finish. I don't. I don't. I don't think uh, even being crafty and something like Smashing Underground is really gonna really play out for you. It's all. It's. It's gonna come down. I mean, sometimes it will, but in this situation, I don't see that that craftiness really being a, a huge advantage. Because if you're like 
the videos have been up on the kids twitter and fucking first chael has been showing them off uh with how with how fucking smooth and slick the kid that the, the kid is going dude he's got a fucking big future not even in just submission underground and just jujitsu style com- competing as tj said if he goes to bellator ufc he, dude, he's gonna he's gonna put a hurt on some motherfuckers absolutely agree also i just want to take a second to point out the little smirk that he got when he actually got to call someone the kid right (laughs) i know that doesn't happen often so i wanted to give you your moment fuck (laughs) you check your head are you going bald yet from that saying that i know i know yeah i know that i had to just like warm his little conkles dude man like i'd say i i i'd say it warmed it warms the soul but I'm a ginger. I ain't got no fucking soul. Hey, I was going to let you so. say that one too. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, but from there, that will bring us to what I am saying right now is probably going to be one of the most what the fuck just happened matches of the evening. I think every fight on every match, because they're not fights per se, every match on the Submission Underground card is going to be spectacular. But I think this one in particular if you blink, you might miss one of the coolest things you will ever see. Um, that match being Brent Primus, Primus versus uh, Richie the Boogeyman Martinez. Um, Brent Primus, as his name is actually said, um, is a Bellator fighter. Not terrible at all. Uh, kind of working his way up the pack, but he's kind of becoming a thing on the submission underground circuit now, because it turns out some of these guys who haven't really made the most of their jujitsu in the octagon really do have it in their back pocket. And even though they're not using it in the octagon, they're taking advantage of things like uncle Chael's opportunity to come over to the submission underground world, which uncle Dana will let them do while under contract with the UFC, even right up before one of their matches. We've seen it a couple times now. Um, Apparently, Scott Coker is willing to do the same thing for the Bellator gentleman because Brent Primus is becoming a thing over on the Submission Underground side of the house. The issue comes into play there when you start talking about the Boogeyman. Um, There's a thing commonly known as the Tenth Planet Freaks, or 10PFs. Um, This is a group of, uh, I believe Rogan called them Nerd Assassins. These are completely unassuming looking people that you would see every day out and about and think nothing of it. And then when you step into a gym, they become killers. Just absolute fucking breaker of worlds. Richie Martinez is one of those guys. He is a former b-boy and street dancer turned jujitsu black belt under Eddie Bravo. He took the weirdness of his breakdancing and street dancing style and combined it with the very leg rubber guard oriented style of the 10th planet system. And Richie has just become a fucking monster in the jujitsu world. Um, To be fair, the last time we saw Richie out there, since Submission Underground is open weight, it really doesn't matter what you weigh, Uh, He took on a much bigger gentleman in uh, King Kevin Casey last time, and slick as he may be, Kevin Casey was that much stronger and was able to get the stop on him. 
I don't think Brent is that much bigger than Richie. I know he is still a little bit bigger, and Richie likes that. He, he favors going after the bigger guys. He loves the David, uh, David versus Goliath aspect of it. But uh, I think in this situation, he's got himself a little closer to an accurate matchup. I think Brent is about the right size for him to be able to work his magic. And I think Richie is going to pull some slick shit off because he's been training his ass off and teaching at the same time. So he's getting all the practice he needs in since that last match. I, I, I like Brent. I really do. But I think Richie's going to pull some slick shit off this weekend. Uh, I think... Richie Martinez took two losses in a row in uh, Submission Underground, if I'm not mistaken. He's got a little something. He's got a little chip on his shoulder, I'm sure. Yes, sir. Uh, I said I was. I, I said I was pretty certain about one thing on this card. Um, this uh, this would be it. <laughs> um, Richie Martinez, I don't think is going to go is going to go down three times in a row in Sug. Um, this isn't even this is this is this isn't even uh, craftiness. This is just pure skill when it comes to jujitsu. Oh, yeah. um, and we've we've been waiting to see it, waiting to see it. I think this is the weekend. I think this is the weekend we see it, where there's just some ridiculous, ridiculous submission gets applied. <laughs> so Richie Martinez, uh, I got I got Richie Martinez on this one. It's, it's boogeyman time. I'll say this. Brent Primus, not bad. Not bad at all. However, he's a fucking boogeyman. Anybody who's watched any jujitsu of any sort, his name has come up time and time again. Whether it's from him teaching somebody something slick that is worked inside of an octagon, or whether it's from his own actual exploits of going out and doing these submission competitions. Now, from Primus, yeah, he looked good in his last submission on the ground. Granted, that was against Jake Shields. Now, I'm not saying Jake Shields is a slouch, but in the submission underground world, he's kind of a slouch. As much as I hate to say it, he's not at that same level. So Primus definitely has something there, but I don't think he is anywhere near the same level as Boogeyman. However, there is always that crazy chance that uh, Boogeyman could have another off night because that's what I'll call his last two. They, I think they were both off nights. There's no way he should have lost the last two. He shouldn't but, have lost that first one. He just got caught. That was it, plain and simple. And, I mean, everybody can get slick once in a while, but I just yeah. don't see that happening in fact I go out and say 100 percent boogeyman takes this without a doubt um, primus it'll be a good learning experience plus side is you're not going to take any physical damage from this so it's not going to affect your bellator career and moving up the ladder the way you have been yeah i really can't add much that. i really can't add much to that um like the early days of fucking this podcast. Um, Martinez, I think he's going to come in and play a little bit safer considering what has gone on in his last two fights. 
think he's going to play a little bit safer, but I still think that's going to be what the fuck just happened. Like, at least five times, five, six times of what the fuck was that. Because that guy's just fucking weird. Yeah. Like, the way, the way, the, the way he gets people down, the way he puts people in certain submissions, it's just very unusual. It's, it's, a, it's very, he has very unorth- unorthodox techniques and a very unorthodox style. Like, it's, it's just fucking weird. Yeah. Like, the only, the, the, the only way that you could really, really control him is if you have, like, we, like we've seen, is if you have weight over him, that's that's the only thing that that really is a crutch to Martinez is that that big weight factor. It's because he likes fighting he bigger can, guys. If he could, if he could, if he could really, really get that played out to play the weight advantage, he could like he could be a fucking force to be reckoned with in uh, Submission Underground. That's not Boogie's style, though. That's See, and I, that's part of the reason why I love him. That's part of the reason why I hate that Boogie competes in the fucking Submission Underground because he loves that David versus Goliath shit. He likes going against the bigger guys. I think Kevin Casey had 85 pounds on him, almost 100 fucking pounds, and he was like, I don't give a I shit. Mean, it's that, We're going. It's, that, <laughs> it's, that, it's that Hoist Gracie yeah, sort man. of mentality of, of, of I'm 150, you're 220. Let's get this shit yep. going. Yeah, and that's exactly what he does. He embraces that style to the fucking fullest, and I love it. But sometimes it backfires on him, man, like that Kevin he, Casey did. You know that the reason for that is when you anybody who starts jujitsu as a white belt, they teach you this is so you can defend yourself from anyone, no matter how large they are. No matter now, how that tall doesn't they mean are, you're not going to get beat. But this is something that. A small guy can beat a big guy with. Right. Because it's not a, always about size matters. It's about technique. Unfortunately, Kevin Casey has a little bit of fucking technique with that fucking size. That's the problem. Absolutely. But I understand where he's coming from on that David versus Goliath thing because that's a basic concept of jujitsu is it's easy body movements that you can take someone big out with. So. I can't be mad at him for liking the David and Goliath shit. That's a basic premise of jujitsu. Absolutely, that and it looks fucking awesome when he pulls it off because he's the little yeah. man. He usually fucks up some big guys. Yeah, I was just, I was, I was just about to say, like that's one that's fucking clicks for a, a promotion. Two, that like gets your gets your name and your presence out there across social media. Like, look at this fucking hundred and forty pound guy take out like you know this 200 pound dude like look at this shit yeah the 10p logo gets thrown every time there's a fucking win baby so absolutely and then that actually rolls us beautifully right into our next match speaking of 10p getting thrown up the baddest black belt 10th planet lady in the whole fucking pacific northwest steps back in the submission underground cage once again to welcome possibly one of the most adorable little fucking badass competitors we have seen in the cage so far um amanda lowen the badass herself takes on ufc's jillian robertson um this matchup was actually supposed to happen on submission underground 16 but Due to one of Jillian's cornermen catching that Backstreet Boys, they had to tell that match bye-bye-bye. And 
Luckily, we got it right back on the next one. Jillian is pumped, has been training her ass off. You know Amanda is a fucking monster. This is going to be a hell of a fucking matchup, as well as being two very legitimate, badass jujitsu ladies. This is going to be one of those Davy versus Goliath matches as well, because Jillian Robertson is a tiny little gal. Amanda Lowen's mm -hmm. not a monster, but Jillian Robertson is a tiny little thing. She's quick as shit and she's smooth, but she's tiny. So I think this is as well going to be a great matchup. And I love that Jillian Robertson was so determined to come over and compete and show off. She signed right back up for 17 when the 16 got canceled. I definitely tip my hat to her, but I have a hard time seeing any way that she's going to get past Amanda in this situation. I think this is basically going to be Amanda politely playing with her food until she's ready to just land something and end it. Hmm. Um, it's about a, it's about a twenty pound difference. Uh, from uh, Amanda Lowen's about one forty, one forty five somewhere in there. Yeah. Versus Jillian Anderson's one twenty, one twenty five on her best day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, beefy up. <laughs> uh, she, she's she's eating that spaghetti to hit the weight. Right. Um, yeah, I I think this I think this one will be a lot of fun because um, Lord knows Jillian's gonna give it her all. Yeah. Like she just doesn't she doesn't know how not to. Um, she is running into one of the baddest people on the planet though, uh, Amanda Lone. I think. I think Amanda's vulnerable just because she might underestimate her a little bit. Um, just because Jillian, she's she's a little gal. Um, she's known for jujitsu a bit, but not quite the way Amanda Lowen is. Right. But she's got some. She's got a really good ground game. Jillian does. She does. And she's got a, she's got she's got the heart of a champ. She's not gonna she's not gonna know how to she's not gonna know how to quit but i think eventually amanda alone will just kind of wear her down and then it's game and then it's game time she'll just put her in whatever the hell she wants but there's always that off chance this is another one where i don't really want to make a pick but i'll pick i'll pick amanda Lowen just because she's such a she's such a fucking badass so yeah amanda alone i don't but it could go it really could go either way this is one where Jillian Robertson could totally slip something in on her. Oh, you know, I have to give Jillian Robertson credit because you know what? I wouldn't find already going to take on some of the baddest women on the planet at 125 in the UFC. Fucking hats off to you, but now you're jumping literally out of what I'll call the frying pan and directly into the fucking blazing hot inferno that is the fire underneath that motherfucker. Because Amanda Lowen is a bad motherfucker. Yeah, she is. She she wrecks people. Like anybody who watched her last one. Yeah, the replacement. The for, replacement. Uh, it yeah, wasn't even a match. Aaron it, Aaron Earl. Aaron Earl, Aaron and Allen. hats off to her for taking it on short notice. Yeah, she and... took it on, what, three days or four days? Just long enough to get a COVID yeah. test. Hap hats the fuck off to her for that as well. Yep, and hats off to her. She was definitely not the replacement for Jillian Roberts because, in my opinion, Jillian Roberts, much better practitioner than her. Yeah. But hey, you know what? 
credit where they credit backed up the truck, dumped some money in the front yard, said, come on, let's do this. Here we go. Yep. I'm not even sure how much money Uncle Jail backs up to people. Like, I think it, I think people just jump the chance to get in there and learn something. And, and you know, it, it, that very well could be it, but I'm sure there was a little bit of money thrown at her, too. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, she got a couple grand I mean, to get her ass in the for, I mean, Amanda Lohan already went through everything to get where she was going there. And the same pretty sure Jillian Roberts game way better than Amanda's last opponent way way better I agree I mean there's a reason why she's made it into the UFC and I can't say it's because of her striking prowess because her striking prowess leaves leaves something to be desired however she's she is young so I mean she's got a lot of time to learn keep moving forward Amanda Lohan she's going to need a lot more time to learn to catch up to where she is at when it comes to jujitsu period. I mean, that's that 10th planet team. When it comes to these, I will pick 10th planet or almost any other jujitsu school period when it comes to these. And I say almost because there are a few exceptions to the rule for certain practitioners, but nine times out of 10, their style works so brilliantly that it makes these extreme just fucking badasses when it comes to grappling. Mandalone is one of them. She is one of the elite. Jillian Roberts, we're, Robertson, we're going to find out how she stacks up here. Um, I don't see her getting put away really easily, but she's going to end up getting put away eventually. As much as I hate to say it, I'm not going to see this go to a draw. We're not going to see it win on points. Mandalorian's going to get a submission. Which one? God only fucking knows. But there will be a submission. And again, like I said earlier, plus side, this isn't going to hurt Jillian Robinson's fucking UFC career in the least. If anything, this is going to help extend it, make it better, because she's going to get a chance to learn while she's in there. And who knows? Maybe she makes friends with the Mandalorian afterwards and you have a new jujitsu coach that would guess what that'd be a great fucking scenario right there i tell you that would be a fantastic scenario jillian if you run across this don't say i told you so i don't need any kickbacks just a simple nod you know i mean to be fair it worked for overeem and razor blades curtis blades beat the shit out of overeem and the first thing he did the next day was called him himself and asked him if he wanted to start training together and it's made them both better. You can see that it's made them both better. Oh, yeah. You've seen both of those fighters excel after that. I would love to see fucking Robertson and Lowen do that with jiu-jitsu after this fucking match. That would be spectacular. Did you just take, did you just take my arm? Yes. Did we just become best friends? Right. Yes. <laughs> Stepsisters in the making. <laughs> yep. Want to go do karate in the garage? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I I do have to say is I have a lot of respect for Jillian for being so fucking hungry to wanting this, to wanting to compete against uh, Amanda Lowen because she won it in 16, but the whole Backstreet Boys fucked it. And she's just, I think she's just fucking hungry to show the world her like what she can do just being a a jujitsu practitioner going against somebody with the caliber of somebody like 
Amanda Lowen. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, it shows chops for sure. I think I think she's just hungry to show that just the level of her of her grappling technique which I have to give a lot of credit to because you're going as everybody else here has said you're going up against one of the best in the fucking world. I have to give her a lot of credit and a lot of respect to that. But um it's it's not going to be fucking pretty for her in any way shape or form it's not gonna be pretty for her um i love i love her in the ufc she's she's one of those die on your shield sort of fighters and i fucking i i love that i respect that and i'd love to see what she can do in submission underground where her where where her abilities really as a fighter shine right to be fair I'd, i'd love to see it to be fair, there's an Irishman who had a saying, either you win or you learn. And she has specifically cited that saying multiple times. So I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those situations. Either she wins or she learns. Or she learns. <laughs> You're going to learn today. <laughs> right, right. So that's going to be a hell of a co-main event for that card. But that's going to bring us to... Probably one of the single most anticipated matches in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I will say, in the last decade, easily. Um, Craig Jones versus Mason Fowler, three. These gentlemen have met twice before. The first time they met was at ADCC in Abu Abu Dhabi, competing at Worlds, in which Craig told the referee after Mason, or confirmed to the referee after Mason called that he did not get points for a takedown. He got one point on a two-point takedown. That one point literally was the deciding factor that led Craig to go on to medal at ADCC and Mason to get kicked out of the competition. Technically, Craig admits Mason beat him in that match, but the judges didn't give him the proper points. Then we come to the tag team match at Submission Underground 13. That was a hell of a thing. Craig and Mason got the eyeballs on each other, but the match didn't quite go as anyone really anticipated. That one kind of got considered a a fluke amongst flukes, which is a very weird thing on that side of the house. Um, So then we come back to Submission Underground 16, where you put Craig Jones one-on-one against Mason Fowler, the the replay of the ADCC championship, if you will. Craig Jones tries his, his leg game like you knew he was going to, but Mason Fowler gets around it, gets around Craig, gets him in a body lock, squeezes him so fucking hard, you can hear on the microphone that Craig goes, Ugh! that's a verbal tap. That's a verbal submission. The referee calls it, ends the match. Craig is shocked, doesn't realize what's going on, then realizes that he did make a noise. For a minute, understandably, he tried to get a little pissy about it and say, well, you know, let somebody throw you in a body triangle and then put a full squeeze on you. You have no choice but to make a noise. They force the air out of you. And then he realized that that was kind of Mason's game plan. He knew that Craig was going to go for the leg, so he just locked Craig the fuck up and put such a fucking hard torque on him, he physically made him make noise like a squeaky toy. 
It's in the contract. And even Uncle Chael highlighted it specifically after the match. Any noise made during combat under duress is considered a verbal submission. Mason played by the rules, and he squeezed the fucking out of, out of Craig. Fair play. You fucking won. Well, to show that Mason is not that type of dude, Mason, that night, met with Craig after the match, shook hands, had respect, and the next day posted for Uncle Chael to set up the rematch for Submission Underground 17 minus the verbal tap clause. So there is no question, there is no fucking, you know, excuses, no whining. This is literally the Brazilian jiu-jitsu equivalent of old school Kumite style. There is no fucking outs. You go until you can't go, till someone's asleep or tapped because they're getting their shit ripped. This is old school style, and Mason is the one that suggested it to eliminate any confusion or any questions about the validity of his ability to beat Craig. Now coming up for a potential third time. I say it all the time, and this is a perfect example of it. No matter how I feel about a fighter, I always try and make a point to give credit where credit is due. I think Craig Jones is possibly one of the most polite pieces of shit assholes on this fucking planet. And I hate that you have no choice but to fucking love him because he is such a gentleman when he's not being an absolute cunt. That being said, he is legitimately one of, I will say, the top three living BJJ practitioners on this planet right now. He is dangerous from anywhere and everywhere. The difference is you know he wants your leg because that's his favorite. That being said, Mason Fowler has now verified he is the number one guy. Vinny used to be the one that everybody thought was going to take Craig. Craig took Vinny's leg and he took it home with him. Vinny didn't flinch, but he took his fucking leg home with him. Mason stepped in and squeezed Craig like a fucking squeaky toy and then offered to rematch him without the squeaky toy claws in it. You don't do that if you don't have 100% fucking confidence in your ability. And if you watch Mason's social media, that motherfucker has not stopped grinding since he beat Craig last time. He is 100 fucking percent prepared. I give Craig credit. He is a bad motherfucker and he is a threat to anyone with a leg. But I think Mason's got him figured out. I think Mason beats him again and he retains the submission underground strap and stays the champ. Yeah, I <clears throat> I agree. <laughs> I think I think Mason's got Craig figured out, and that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. Just figure out Craig Jones. Um I mean there's always a chance he's gonna get your leg. There's always that chance that he's gonna get your leg. I don't know. I don't even know if Mason Fowler would tap out if he got caught in a leg lock. I I really don't know if he would do it. Especially being I think one he, of the I think Craig partners. Jones would. I, I think Craig Jones would have to rip his leg off. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Mason Mason Fowler has really. It's not that he's come out. It's not that he's come out of nowhere, but he's really surprised me. And every time I see him, I'm like, "Fuck this dude's good. Fuck this dude's good. Fuck this dude's good." And to be able to make me say that against a guy who's who 
for all intents and purposes until Mason Fowler took him, was considered the best, the best in the world. And for him to work a game plan where he was able to, where he was able to, to get a verbal submission out of him, like that's that's fucking remarkable playing within the rules. And you, you can't, you couldn't help but go, fuck, that was really good what he just did. That was amazing what he just pulled off. And now, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna do verbal submissions. Okay, well, I'll just have to catch you somewhere else. And Greg Jones has shown he can be beat um, in a couple in a couple of ways. And, and Mason Fowler, as far as I'm concerned, has beaten him twice. So, yeah, I, I'm going with Mason Fowler. Oh, let's take it all the way back to the first one. Another reason why you never leave anything in the hands of the judges. Period. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, scoring gets fucked up. It happens. It is what it is. We see it in MMA all the time. Yes, see it in this as well. So, whether it was judge fuck up or not, Jones wins the first one. Fowler wins second. We've got one of the greatest rubber matches that there could possibly fucking be. Now, since they've removed the squeaky toy clause, as we're calling it currently. Um, I have a feeling that we're going to see Fowler make him squeak again on purpose. Knowing that it won't get him a tap for it. Knowing that it won't get a tap unless he says tap, tap, tap. You know, I didn't think about that. That's a real good point, though. Because the reason behind this is, look, Craig Jones, not a hard guy to figure out, but it's a hard guy to stop doing what he wants to do because he is so phenomenal at taking legs. Everybody has him figured out. They know what he's going to do, but he still does it anyways. A follower, he's just come onto this whole nother plane of existence right now. And so the only question I have is, can he hold out like the first match without getting his fucking leg taken? Because God knows we're going to hear him squeaky toy him again because that stopped him from grabbing a leg. Yes, it did. And you squeaky toy the guy enough, he's going to get tired because you know what? Body triangle and a squeeze, that's a fucking rough day that takes a lot out of you quick, fast, and in a hurry. There's a reason why you see body triangles used in MMA so often because it restricts your breathing and then that makes you tired because you're not getting the oxygen necessary. So I see the big squeeze. I see the squeaky toy happening. What I'm wondering though, is he going to be able to submit Jones? Because when you look at the first match, it was very, very close. It was fucking excellent to watch. Yeah, it was. Squeaky toy thing. I get it where Jones was a little upset and lost, but you know what? Those were the fucking rules. Right. You made the noise. This is a quiet man sport. Shut the hell up. The only thing we should be hearing is your heavy breathing. Yep. That's it. But squeaky toy claws aside now, you can squeal like a pig if you fucking want. So I think this is going to be really, really tight. And it's going to come down to whether or not Fowler can keep Jones away from his legs again for the entirety to include overtime. Right. I don't think we see a finish in this. I think this one's going to decision. And I do think Fowler will get it in decision. 
barring Jones doesn't get a hold of a leg. Right. Interesting. So when it comes down to the fight itself, I think it's going to be one of those if Fowler can keep Craig off his leg, Fowler can get it. If Craig gets his leg, I think Craig would get it sort of deal. Um, because once Craig has your leg, you're, you need a fucking miracle to get your leg back. Um, otherwise, that motherfucker's taking it home and putting it on his fucking mantle. He's putting that bitch right, right up above the fireplace. Like it's, like you need a fucking miracle. Um, second thing is I've said it before. When it comes down to like cer- like certain rules in in fighting that I don't like, is the the verbal loophole behind shit. I understand that in Submission Underground they take it a little bit more serious than what like like UFC and Bellator takes it. Um, because like UFC really doesn't take the verbal tap very seriously. Um, but we've seen it a couple times now where where Submission Underground they take they take verbal taps very seriously. Um, in certain situations, I don't think that it should actually be a thing. Like in this situation. Because if you're breathing, if you're breathing at the at the right moment in time, you're gonna fucking make a noise, and you can't stop that. Like you have to <gasps> to keep that keep that that groan from coming out. If you're getting squeezed, just 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 right there at the rib cage, just just right there, just below it, That's you're gonna make exactly a fucking noise. Too. That's you can't exactly you can't. <laughs> you're not you're physically not gonna be able to fucking stop that. Like you're like you're like you're just not. If somebody has you right, you're not gonna be able to fucking stop that. I don't I don't like I don't like the verbal verbal taps in competitions under certain scenarios, certain I guess I guess certain submissions. I don't I don't like it because there's there's some of them like a like a solid char, uh, body triangle that you're just not gonna be able to fucking stop that noise. Unless you are seriously holding your fucking breath, I don't like it. I don't know. I I think it's I think it's interesting. Uh, it, I think it's definitely part of the reason why Michael Chiesa won't come over to the submission underground. But uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> so that boys and girls will bring us back over to Uncle Dana's side of the house for this weekend's upcoming. UFC Fight Night Vegas 9 slash fight on ESPN 16 slash Fight Night Smith versus Rakich. Those fucking names get dumber and dumber. This card, for being the last August card and literally the unwarranted, unwanted stepchild of the UFC summer schedule, has actually turned into a fairly decent little thing. Um, this is originally the card where most of the better unoriginally planned fights got moved for the earlier fights in Vegas due to Backstreet Boys. 
this was originally set up to be a great card and then when other things started to fall apart they just started nabbing shit out of this card's pockets like no one was looking so this card had to be completely fucking rebuilt over the last three weeks while they were putting on other cards with this card's fights credit where credit is due sean shelby mick maynard pulled some miracles out of their ass to put this one together and we've actually got some really good fights on here uh, like the case with most cards there is absolutely some fluff and some filler but this one is actually fairly light especially for the month of august for all the cards this month that have been fucked up ripped apart sewn back together with half-assed stuffing this one is actually one of the lighter on fluff as far as the card itself goes um, this one actually has some prelim fights that I generally want to talk about, and that hasn't happened in a hot fucking minute. Um, the first one I want to get into here real quick, uh, this is actually one of the ones we just talked about, um, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, um, it literally just has materialized in the last two weeks. Uh, Pollyanna Viana versus Emily Whitmire. This is one of those situations where it's one of those fights that we like to say that no one necessarily asked for, but no one's mad about either. It's it's kind of a, we had two people who are both semi-interesting sitting on the shelf, and last minute, we need a fight to be put together. They're both available. Hey, they're both willing to do it. Let's make the fucking fight. We got it. These are two up-and-coming ladies on the UFC women's side of the house, which we need more fucking ladies over there. We need more fucking ladies. We need more fucking ladies over there. And these two are not your dollar store page Van's ants, which we seem to be getting a lot more of lately. These are two ladies who actually have legitimate fucking skills and could kick the shit out of most of the guys that you probably know. They just haven't really had that UFC experience yet. And I think this is going to be a great showcase. The last show in August, there's a fairly decent headliner that people are going to be watching for. I think this is a good spotlight to put these ladies' fights and give them the chance to kind of show what they've got here. I like Pollyanna Viana. She's a tough little motherfucker, but I think this is that chance that Emily Whitmire has been waiting for to show exactly what she's capable of. She said several times in her last fights that she hasn't really gotten to showcase her, that she's just kind of been dealing with her opponents and that she changed that, that she's been working on showing her skill sets off. And this is going to be that chance that she's got to show us. I'm kind of inclined to believe her. If you follow her socials, she's been training her ass off too. So I have a feeling here we're going to get to see Emily Whitmire kind of step out in front of the pack, as it were. It's a good thing they're both up and comers. Because um, right now, that woman's strawweight division is scary at the top. Look, credit where credit's due, you guys made it. Um, if you really want to show your worth right now, this is the kind of fight to do it in because you're both at that little cusp of possibly making it into the ranked area. And so either way this goes, whether Pollyanna wins it or Emily takes it, which I'm inclined to think Emily does here, but either way, if they can do it in a dominant fashion, whether it's run the table for three rounds or get a finish, that's going to speak largely to them possibly moving into the ranked positions in the strawweight category. Now, I'm not saying that's going to put them in the top 10 because it's not, right. 
but you could get a 15 or a 14 possibly after with your name there. But I think Emily gets this um, purely just because I think she's a little bit more well-rounded than Pollyanna is. Not, and I, to be honest, I think it's by a good bit. Not that Pollyanna is a slouch, but I'm pretty sure from what we've seen out of Emily so far, she's got a better toolbox. I think she's more apt and capable to do all right in the rankings, in the ranked fights versus these unranked getting your career moving fights. I think she's well on her way. A couple more fights in the table. She might be ready for a top tenner. I can see that. Um, this one to me could it really could go either way. Um, Whitmire, she has a risky behavior of, and a lot of it wasn't her fault um, of letting things go to decision. She's very, she's very good at pulling. She's very, very good at going, going deep water on people. I mean, as deep as deep water as you're going to get on prelim fights. Um, Pollyanna on the other hand, just finishes people. Um, and I, I went and double checked because it's been a little bit since I bothered to, to look at Polly at Pollyanna, but she has, um, four TKOs and six submissions. She had no decisions. Um, tells me, tells me kind of what I remember about her is that she's, she's a very, very good, uh, she's a very, very good finisher, but she can get in trouble. Um, especially against someone like Emily Whitmire, who, who is good at grinding things out a bit. So, uh, and we've seen it a lot with the ladies fight, uh, ladies fights lately. It's, it's whoever, whoever is better at controlling the fight is probably going to wind up taking it. Uh, now my ab math, my ab math on this one is Pollyanna all the way. Cause Pollyanna has got a, got a six pack that is just absolutely spectacular, spectacular abs. But, um, this is another fight where I'm not sure my ad, my ab math is going to add up the way that I would hope that it would, because I thought I had something going there for a minute. But um, I'll go I'll go Emily Whitmire as well. I think she's uh, I think she's I think she's the one on the way up. I think Pollyanna could certainly get there. Um, I think she's a little bit more well-rounded than than she gets than she gets credit for, and uh, she's certainly a capable finisher. So she's if if something if something goes sideways in this fight, she'll she'll choke a bitch out. So. Could go, could go either way, but Emily, Emily's getting, getting my vote for this moment. You know, based off of like watching the interviews and everything that Whitmire has been talking about, I honestly kind of want to see, kind of want to see what the fuck she really can do. Because if she's if the way that she's been talking about everything that's been going on in, in the past with her fighting and everything that she's been dealing with, if she can like really get her head on her shoulders, I honestly think that she could be she could be pretty pretty fucking good. It's like she's she's decent for being well, she's pretty good for being a up and comer uh, in her twenties coming into the UFC. Uh, like give it a year or two and like she'll be she'll be like that ronda rousey cyborg amanda nunez sort of 
caliber and weight behind them. Like that sort of, like that sort of just recognition. As you see her face, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's Emily Wittmeyer. Right. I'm, um, really want to see her, 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 her take it, but it's going to be pretty hard seeing how, um, seeing how, um, um, oh God, I'm drawing a fucking blank on the lady's name right now. What the fuck was her name? Drawing a blank. They hate it when you do that, for the record. They hate it when yes. you do that. Shut the fuck up. Pollyanna. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Shut the fuck up. That's um, right. In the interim. Yeah. Dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about a lot of shit right now. Um, like, I'm, like, like I'm trying to multitask like five different fucking things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with how Pollyanna fights gonna be pretty fucking hard i would really like to see uh emily pull some pull some shit off though be really good for her career interesting interesting indeed so that will bring us into the next there's three prelim fights that i wanted to talk about that'll bring us into the second one here um ironically another of the ladies fights i'm fucking happy we're getting some fucking lady fights back in here get these gals in there get some more girls in get these fights rocking um the debut of one mallory martin against one of all of our favorites one hannah cyphers this is one of those situations where we've seen it before they're basically telling hannah like look you've had a fucking bit of a rough run right now so if you want to stick around we're gonna throw a fucking newbie at you and unless you stop this bitch you might get your walking papers. I have nothing against Mallory Martin because we haven't seen anything of her to form an opinion of yet. Uh, but I am a fan of Hannah Cypher. She's one of those when the chips are down, she'll fucking find a way kind of fighters. She just, for whatever reason, can't seem to keep them strung together. She'll get a good W and then she'll trip over her own fucking toes time and time again and then we get a situation like this again where chips are down, winner go home, and she'll fucking pull out the win. I don't like that that seems to be a recurring theme in Hannah's opportunity here, but I think in this situation, this is kind of going to be a running theme, at least for tonight's card, where there's a couple different times where they're going to take and give the debut of a full-on newbie to somebody who's fairly fucking seasoned maybe not the top ranked but fairly seasoned and i think this is hopefully if everything goes the way that it seems like it might this will be a night where experience teaches the newbies this will be the weekend of the experienced veterans teaching the newbies what you need to know to survive in the world of combat sports uh starting with amanda over on uh, the sug side following right over here to Hannah giving a lecture to uh, young Miss Martin here. I think this is going to be a weekend where experience wins and the vets are going to take it. So I'm going Team Hannah. Hannah Cyphers, huh? She's back again. She just had a fight, didn't she? Yes, she did. She fought Angela Hill on short notice, and it did not end well for her. No, it did not. But it did not. She also so, yeah, would... I mean, she's, she's, she's kind of an every other fighter, so this got to be her fight, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, this young gal, it appears it appears she's uh, quite the Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, though. So this could be, this could get Hannah in trouble. 
this could get Hannah in trouble, but I mean, hopefully we see the Hannah Cyphers that we see when she actually wins matches, when she's fired up, she goes rushing, she goes rushing in, she, she's moving well. She's able to control, she's able to control where the match goes. Hopefully this is the Hannah Cyphers that we see. Um, so I, she seems like, she seems like a great gal. And I, I like, I like watching her when she's able to, to fight her fight. Um, but since she's fighting someone that none of us are, are familiar with, I mean, there's a, this girl looks like she's got, like I said, looks like she's got some pretty good jujitsu going on. So got my fingers crossed for Hannah. Got my finger, I'm going to, I'm going to put a finger crossbow up for Hannah. Got my fingers crossed for you, Hannah. Uh, hopefully you don't get caught by this Brazilian <laughs> gal who uh, taps you out or throws you in a clinch. And next thing you know, you're staring at the ceiling. Well, I want to say the only thing that um, Melanie Martin has gone for, she's not the best jujitsu practitioner in the strawweight division. Um, if if that's what we're going to bank on for her, she's kind of fucked. I mean, she did get subbed by uh, Jandaroba back in December of last year. That was on one of the... Um, that was on the card with uh, Overeem and Rosenstrike where Overeem's lip decided he was going to smoke a fucking M80 and realized you really shouldn't light an M80 while it's in your mouth. Um, but yeah, if she does have one thing going for her, she took a tough loss there from a really good fucking straw weight. Uh, people are sleeping on gender, but we're not here to talk about her. Um, I think that's the only thing that's going to give her any push is because you take a loss from a competitor like that. It's either you win or you learn, right? Mm -hmm. She done learned. Hannah Cyphers is hot and cold. Like a, look, like a fucking microwave burrito. You bite into one spot, it's going to scald the piss out of you. The next spot feels like you didn't even throw it in the microwave. I learned to massage that burrito, homie. Right. Yeah, apparently nobody has massaged Hannah Cyphers because if you go back <laughs> and you look at her record lately, it is hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. There is no fluidity to it at all. Uh, it, it seems like the only time she performs is when she knows there's a possibility of her getting cut. She's doing, she's that Joe that works in the warehouse that does just enough not to get fired but not enough to progress or even get a raise. That's what I seem to continually see out of Heine Cyphers. It's not that she just, she doesn't have it. She does have the toolbox necessary to do well. She just can't seem to find the right tools every time she's in there. Uh, I mean, I'm going to call this a 50-50 toss-up fight. I don't know who's going to win this because it depends on which Hannah Cyphers shows up. Is it the, I'm about to get cut Hannah Cyphers, or is it the Eh, I've got nothing to worry about this fight. But if, if I was to take a guess, I would say being as she lost her last one, she's got to win this one because that's been her MO. Win one, lose one. Win one, lose one. So I would have to bet on Hannah Cyphers on this one just purely on her MO of what we've seen in her track record in the UFC so far. Agreed. So, first... I don't think, regardless if Hannah Cypher wins, lose, draw, 
pretty sure she's getting walking papers because she's been very extremely inconsistent. And for the last few months, we've been seeing people get cut over less shit. So I think it's not really going to matter. Uh, like, unless she wins this extremely dominantly, that's the only, that's the only way I see her staying. Other than that, I think Cypher is getting her walking paper. Um, now, the the thing that is interesting is I really want to see Martin really progress in the UFC because her two fighting styles, one, her Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school is an extremely underrated school. She fights out of out of Zing uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Zing is a very underrated school, but like a lot of people that are Zing practitioners get picked up for things like 10th Planet, Gracie Gems, and shit like that. So they're under, like, un- just fucking, just not looked at as being good practitioners. Whenever you come out of Zing, you're a great practitioner, but you're molded into much better whenever you step up to one of those elite names in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And she's Thai and Tao boxing, which is fucking weird because nobody learns Tao boxing nowadays. If you do, if you were learning Muay Thai, nobody learns fucking Tao. You're Tao. So like the 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 style in her school that she has go, got that she has going on is just super weird to me. Like you don't see that sort of shit very often nowadays. Um, with how and with how Martin lost. Uh, her last fight, like she took, she took a pretty, a pretty good beating, and she got beaten on the ground. I'm pretty sure um, Martin is going to come out and show the UFC and show Dana why I got picked up to be a UFC fighter. Yeah, I forgot to mention one other thing. Um, I can't bet on ciphers. I have to go completely against it. Uh, for this reason, I just thought about it. She just lost to Agapova, too. And Agapova just got fucking annihilated she last week. Oh, yeah. In June, on the terrible I Calvillo card. Oh, that's why. Because I fucking mentally blocked that whole fucking garbage card out. That's why. Yeah. And she also got subbed by Mackenzie Dern in May. Yeah, she's a shit she's show. Had a run, yeah. Give her her fucking walking papers. Damn, I this is one of those ones she has to win. So she might she might come out and just put her fist in this poor girl's face. I don't know. With the the, the amount of, of, of inconsistencies that Cypher carries in her fights, I don't see it. I honestly think regardless, unless she does something fucking insane, she's yeah. going to get walk papers. Yeah, I think it's going to have to be spectacular at this point. I agree. Damn, that's rough. Well, come on, Hannah. <laughs> um, but that will bring us to the last fight I wanted to talk about on the prelims here, the quote-unquote premier prelim match. Um, I, I, feel, I kind of feel like Uncle Dana is, is secretly a fan of our show, even though he won't admit it, and he wants to give Fresh a chance to make good on his previous pick. Um, he said... 
that he was doing it because he feels like one former contender series fighter welcoming another into the UFC is just a better fit for him. I am more inclined to believe that he heard Fresh make this pick and he kind of agreed with him, but it didn't turn out that way. So he wants to give Fresh kind of a mulligan on his picks here. Um, the fight we're talking about is Coconut Bombs himself, Maki Patolo versus possibly one of the greatest contenders for greatest name in the UFC now making his debut, Impa Kasangane. That's a fucking spectacular name. That's a fucking spectacular name. Um, and the other ironic thing here is that if you saw the video of Mr. Kasangane's debut, he very much seems like, uh, I think the best way I, I heard it described was a shrinky-dinked version of Francis Ngannou. If you knock about half the body mass off but keep the same physique and the same style... He really kind of is like a smaller Francis Ngannou in that lower division. I like Maki Patola. I got nothing against him, but I haven't had a whole lot to go off of. And the last time I picked against him because he seemed like he wasn't going to pull it off, I came out right in that one with a fucking name like Impa Kasangane combined with that fucking show of one of the few legitimately impressive matches we've seen come out of the contender series lately i have to go against coconut bombs once again i'm going with impa kasangane it's contender series on contender series violence but i gotta go with a name here it's it's like my ab rule for your girls fights my name rule goes for the guys and impa kasangane it's fucking impossible not to giggle a little when you say it oh maki you let me down brother brother Brother, you let me down. <laughs> you let me down on that last one. Um, Impa Kasangane. That is that is a really good name. Right. Um. It looks like he's a. It looks like he's pretty solid with his submissions. Um. Yeah, let's. Oh, what the way Maki's been letting me down. I mean, they both got great names. Maki Patolo. Impakasangani. Let's do. Uh, I'm gonna go with you on this one. I'm gonna go with you on this one. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. But now coconut bombs is good. He's gonna launch the coconut bombs. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Impa. I. Uh, I'm gonna go with the debut. I'm gonna go with the debuting guy. Um, this one had to have come together real quick. Yeah. yeah I think it was so literally the the following week after uh, Maki Patolo. Because he had tweeted during the fight, during uh, Impa Kasangane's fight on the Contender Series. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, Dana was like, you know what? Not only am I going to give you a contract here, I'm going to give you your next fight. I don't do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you your next fight right now. You're going to fight Maki Patolo, Contender Series on Contender Series. And I was like, oh, no shit. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with Impa. Let's go with Impa. I, th I think uh, based on what I'm reading here, could be a uh, could be an exciting debut. I think uh, no, Maki puts on fun fights anyway. Yeah, like he it, doesn't he doesn't know how not to have a fun fight. Yeah, so. I don't think it's going to be a boring enjoyable. match by any stretch of the imagination. But man, <laughs> here we go. For me, the best thing about this fight is I think this is what premier prelim fights should be. You got two guys that are relatively new, 
or really new in this case with Impa. People have seen Maki Patolo here before already, but this gives both of those guys a chance to step into the spotlight and show how wrong Dana White is about the Contender Series. Because I fucking hate the Contender Series. We've been having Contender Series bastards shoved down our fucking throats. And this gives us the opportunity to go, you know what? We were fucking right. Fuck the Contender Series. Because I don't think that this is going to be a fucking fight to write home about. I really don't. Because you know what? you got two guys that are really fucking green. Keep them on the fucking early prelims. Oh, wait a minute. There's not early prelims on this. <laughs> this shit should be not in this position. If you guys didn't catch that, I was being very fucking sarcastic about this is what the premier prelim should be. To be honest, I would much rather see the Alex Caceres' fight here than this fucking fight in there, this one. Period. Um, at least everybody knows who Bruce Leroy is, whether he's um, Bruce Leroy or not anymore. Um, but, but the Contender Series has been just fucking trash. We've we've seen there's a few exceptions to policy there, and that's just like anything. Talking like statistics, there's always a fucking outlier. These guys are not the outliers. The only thing they have going for them, a really cool fucking name, and... I'm not going to lie. I like Maki Patolo's moniker there. Uh, that's, that's about the greatest thing about this fight. And yeah, as I see it in the comments there, this is all about fucking marketing for Dana White. It really is. So to be honest, I don't give a shit who wins this fight. I, it doesn't make a fucking bit of difference to me. Unless Impa Kasangane can throw bombs like Francis Ngannou and we see him knock motherfuckers out in the 185 bomb division, let's do it. Because I'm all about watching people's faces get rearranged and sent into orbit. But I just don't see that happening here. I really don't. I, I It's not that it's going to be a boring fight, because no fight is boring to me, but it's just not what it's made out to be. I, his His contender series can go straight to fucking hell that's that's all there is to it i like the looking for a fight better than the contender series because you know what he would go out and watch shit that was already on cards and pick people up from smaller organizations not this oh we're gonna bring you in and let you fight this guy for this guy to get a chance to possibly get a contract fuck that shit and then stuff it down our throats I say fuck this fight. Fuck them both. I hope it's a double knockout. Actually, no. I hope neither guy shows up. Fuck it. What about a double coconut bomb? Like he winds up and he accidentally hits himself and knocks the other dude out at the same time? <laughs> that would be a fucking win in my book. Mm. I mean, as TJ said, um, Dana should go back to going out to find fighters, not fighters coming to him. Because, you know, um, like, just like off the top of my head, the best fighter that they searched out because they went to, you know, another country is my Irish brother, Conor McGregor. And the only reason that, you know, Dana found out about Conor is because 
everybody and their mother was like, hey, you're going over there. There's a guy named Conor McGregor. You should go find him and talk to him. You yeah, know, like he's go... currently a double champ when they found him. Yeah, it should go back to fucking that type of fighting. Um, I'm kind of going off of the, off the TJ feel of this. Um, contender series fighters are never very interesting, like very thrilling to watch. They're good fights, but it's just too sloppy. It's not anything to write home about. If Kasangane can do what he did consistently and just fucking throw bombs. I think that he'd be one of the better people that have come out of the contender series. But that's a big fucking if. Um, if 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 Kasangane can, fucking hell yeah. Um, if he can't, if he can do it sometimes, still fucking good for you. You have a UFC contract. Congratulations. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of on that the tj feel with this go back to find the fighters don't let the finder fighters come to you honestly i i could i i'm kind of with tj i don't give a shit it's contender series fighters i i don't fucking care hey 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 i hate you i hate you i don't even know you and i hope do <laughs> why don't you go beat this dude up there's three pity right <laughs> Um, luckily, though, that will bring us to the main card, which, to be fair, didn't make it out of the the fluff picker completely unscathed either. But it's much better than some main cards that we've seen recently. I will give it that. Um, opening the main card, ironically enough, this I actually legitimately thought they were going to make the premier prelim fight, and then they put it onto the main card, which really shocked me. Um, the runback of the previous failed Muhammad Ali attempt in Ian Hutalaba versus Magomed Ankalaev. Um, for those of you who aren't privy to the first one, uh, this match was highly touted by no one but anticipated because it was going to be interesting it was two big guys who were angry at each other to begin with so it was going to be interesting and then for whatever fucking reason Ian Kutalaba decided that he was going to pretend that he was wobbled and played the old rope-a-dope and did it a little too convincingly like four times in a row and Kevin McDonald jumped in and stopped the fight realized afterwards what had happened but in the moment too fucking little too fucking late the judge or the referee's job is to stop a fighter from taking unnecessary damage and end the fight when one of them can no longer defend himself and when you look like you're fucking old school looney tune cartoons wobbling at the fucking neck for too long to a referee who you didn't tell has no indication that you're pretending he jumped in and stopped the fight well luckily Uncle Dana agreed right away that that was clearly a bad stoppage because he had a different vantage point and determined, even though Ankalaev said he did not want to run the fight back, that they're going to do that again anyway. That that was kind of bullshit. We literally got, like, I think 34 seconds of a match before the neck wobbling got to be too much and uh, Kevin McDonald stepped in to stop the fight. So we're going to run it back. 
much like the first time, though, this isn't exactly a very highly touted fight because win, lose, or draw, this fight doesn't really have a whole lot of impact on the division either way. Uh, the real draw or attention getter from this fight at this point is just that they had the first match, shit got crazy, and they're doing it again. This is, to me, what the last fight was to those two gentlemen, because I could give three fucks less which one of these giant dipshits wins this fight, because it's not going to be pretty, and it's not going to be exciting. There may be a big shot that makes you go, ooh, but this is not one of those fights that you look forward to, because two technical fighters are about to put on a display. This is two big dumb dipshits who are going to fucking swing at each other until somebody goes night-night. Um, yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm interested in this fight at all is because the last one was stopped in about 30 seconds. Yep. Um, <laughs> and from what I recall, the fight, uh, Ian Kudalaba was actually skating a lot of the, a lot of the hits Almost every and one he was landing them. some pretty gnarly ones. So, um, if I'm forced to make a pick, which I'm assuming I'm forced to make a pick, I'm going to say Ian Kudalaba gets it, gets it back. Um, and he gets the W back over uh, Mamogad. Magomed. Magomed. Um, I think he I think he gets it back. But yeah, it's the the way this last one went down, I think they had to run the fight back. I don't think anybody had a choice just because of the just because it was so fucking stupid. Yeah. It was so fucking stupid how it ended. You you have to run that fight back. You have to give the guy a chance to get his W back. And I think I think he takes his W back. Uh, yeah, this would be just unless, unless he tries the same strategy. I mean, that would be that'd be strong work, I suppose. Bold the ref just lets it go, and like he's legitimately hurt, starts getting rock'em sock'em. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, I either way. What I want to know is, are they giving the ref a second chance to re-ref this as well? That's a good point. I wonder if they are going to put Kevin McDonald in there again with him. I think it would be fitting. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. I, I think no, that would actually back, probably work. Give him a chance to let somebody actually hit the mat before he stops it. Which well, it, it gives everybody involved in that match a chance to run it back completely. Like The ref gets a chance yeah. to redo it, Magomed it, it, gets a chance it, to fight. The best thing about this is I'm pretty sure Ian Kuntalabo wins this. And what's even better is, even though that would technically be a win apiece, this is not a fight that we'll ever see a fucking rubber match for. And that's the greatest fucking win for all of us. Because you can't, you can't ask for a rubber match when the first one was fucking bullshit. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Oh, uh, other than that, I think you poetically put it the best. It's two giant big fucking dudes that are just going to swing for the fences. Neither one of them are anything to write home about. Neither one of them are going to make a title run anytime soon, if at all, ever. Especially not in the light heavyweight division. Oh, but oh wait, John Jones walked away from that. Yeah, these guys weren't even in the fucking picture to begin with, so it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, it'll be fun to watch them replay it back. I don't think Kudalabo will be as stupid as he was last time to do that shit. Maybe now, instead of just ducking and fucking making a miss like you did the first time, 
he won't do the, oh my God, I'm wobbled from the air whiffing by my nose. He'll actually go in there and do what he's fucking supposed to. Finish the fight and call it a fucking day. Then we can move on from this nonsensical bullshit. But yeah, uh, I'll give it to Kunalava purely on the fact of what we've seen from the first 30 seconds of what was the entirety of the first fight. I honestly hope, oh, um, as I've, as, as, as I want to call him Magomed, because he's just the nah, man, that's Magomed right there. Magomed, yeah, that's just Magomed. He's 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 just a big dumbass. Um, I honestly hope that he that that he feels cocky coming into this and just gets his shit rocked because you want to fight because the other guy was trying to fuck with you. I hope he feels real cocky and like comes into this. Oh, I'm the fucking man, and he he just gets his fucking Russian Abe Lincoln wannabe fucking beard shoved up his ass. That's about, about all I got. Did you just go sling blade on Zabit? I mean, <laughs> Magomed, Magomed's kind of, kind of, kind of up there with that Abe Lincoln beard thing going on but he's got like the faint he's got he's got that that faint like mustache so kind of not Abe Lincoln but Magomed's got that got that got that Lincoln beard that's all I gotta say about that French kids these days I tell ya oh but that will bring us into the next fight. Another one that I mentioned earlier, we kind of have a running theme with here. Uh, the crafty veteran, as it were, welcoming another new fighter for his debut. Uh, this time, we've actually got a bit of a switcheroo. This young man uh, got his debut on short notice as a replacement fighter. Um, kind of like Bruce Leroy did in the prelims, which is why we didn't talk about him, because I wanted to see Giga Chikaze. I'm not seeing him. I ain't talking about you. Fuck you, Leroy. <laughs> um, this time, though, um, a little bit different of a matchup here. This will be the debut of one Mr. Bill Algio, the gentleman I mentioned earlier that the UFC website says has no legs, um, against the crafty veteran in Ricardo Lamas. Um, this is kind of a weird situation here in that I, I both think that much like the other fights we mentioned earlier the crafty veteran and the experience is going to show out especially making a debut especially making your debut on short notice but on the other side of that we've also got ricardo lamas who the ufc has been using all week in their highlight clip to try and build this fight up is his moment in the fight with max where max literally pointed to the ground and said let's fucking stand and do this and he went okay, and then Max beat the shit out of him. Uh, and if you go back and watch that clip, he lost that exchange, and he backed out as Max chased him down in the stand-right-here-and-fight moment during that matchup. So I, I both do think that Ricardo still has enough experience in him against a full-on soup can greenhorn making his debut to edge out this fight, but I think we're coming to the point in Ricardo Lamas' career where 
he could see the clubhouse. He might not be 18, or be on 18 rather, but he can see the clubhouse from where he's swinging. And this game isn't going to last much longer. It's time to start thinking about your post-round schedule because this game ain't going to last too much longer, in my opinion. I think Ricardo is going to take this, but I think he is absolutely starting the beginning of that downhill slide that is the end of a career. I want to know how this fight wound up on the main card. Right? Um, that's all I can really think about this fight. I mean... Ricardo Lamas, pretty, he's, he's well enough rounded dude, um, do a little bit of everything, nothing really fantastic. Um, going against a new guy. I mean, it's one of the more friendly fights that we've seen a new guy get recently. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, that's about as um, close as a gift wrap you're going to get as a new guy. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a gift, this isn't a gift wrap fight. I mean, I can't take right. anything too much away from Ricardo Lamas. I, I'm gonna go with the new guy though. I'm just I'm picking the new guy just for shits and giggles. Bill Algeo, I don't know a whole lot about you. It looks like you looks like you like to submit people. Well, you got your chance, man. Go late into go late into to Ricardo Lamas. Isn't he? Isn't Ricardo Lamas from like Highlander or something? That's I'm yeah. That's where that name's from. It, the two L's. Ricardo Lamas is Highlander. Oh, okay. So this, this, this is, is just a one. L. This isn't. This isn't. There can be only one. No, that, that, Man, that there could be only was, one L in his name. <laughs> I was hoping this one. I was hoping this fight was going to have katanas and a quickening. Right. But that's all right. That's all right. Bill Algeo. No. I know. I've got a friend. I've got a friend with the last name Algeo. So, Bill Algeo. Go get you some. Um, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I like Ricardo Lamas. However caveat to that the bully is no longer the bully anymore he's needed to hang them up for quite some time and it's, i hate to see fighters that i enjoyed watching for such a long time go past their prime we say this time and time again he's well past his prime now when you're a gatekeeper for short notice no name suit cans there's a problem there. Uh, that tells you it's time. Maybe he's just trying to finish up the rest of the fights that are on his contract. I don't know. And the only reason I can think that this fight even made it to the main card because of the last minute replacement is because his name is Ricardo Lamas. That's it. Yeah. You put the bigger names on the front of the card. I, I get that portion of it. Still got a little but recognition, yeah. He, he's He's got recognition. There's people who know who he is. He's been around the game for a long time. I think he takes this purely because A, the veteran in him, he still has got some fight left in him. We've seen it. He just, the fight that's in him isn't strong enough to do anything with unless it's with somebody like this who is a literally dented can in a fucking secondhand fucking grocery store, you know? Uh, at this point, take your win, hang them up, call them a day. I mean, don't get to that point where you're completely punch drunk. Because, I mean, you still got a lot of other things you can do outside of the sport. I mean, or even still in the sport, just not in the octagon. Like we say it all the time. A lot of these guys, 
can be great coaches. They can yeah. be great mentors for other fighters. He's one of them. You want to learn how to navigate the professional fight world? This is a guy to learn from. He's been around long enough. He'll be able to tell you how to do that. You want to learn the things you need to know? Go talk to him. But it's time for him to hang him up. Don't take advice on him from him on when you should hang him up because he's well past that time, in my opinion. I think he's past the clubhouse. He's out in the fucking parking lot trying to walk back and play another 18. Yeah, just about. Yeah, it is what it is at this point. I mean, we're starting to see that with a lot of fighters. And unfortunately, for those of us who have been watching MMA long enough, we're seeing it more and more because you got to think, technically, MMA is still in its infancy. Oh, yeah. This shit didn't start till the 90s. Boxing's been around a lot longer than that. And we saw it with boxers doing the same thing. Now MMA is finally getting to the point where you've got some of these guys that are 15, 16, some of them even 20 years into a career, don't know when to hang it up. And they walk out, ending up punch drunk and fucked up for the rest of their lives. So, I mean, we're in a weird time frame, especially those of us who have been watching since the early days, because you see a lot of these long-term fighters that don't know when to hang it up. It's time. Dude, hang them up. We love you. You've done great things for the sport. You put on some amazing fucking wars. This, it, it's, it's just time, dude. Enjoy your retirement. Go sit on a beach somewhere. Uh, go fucking train somebody. Open up your own gym. Start training amateurs and getting them to the pro level. Then you'll start pulling in pros that way, too. Do something like that, man. But fucking get the fuck out of the octagon before I see you carted out on the stretcher. But yeah, he gets the W. Well, since TJ covered that, um, I only have two things. Um, one, it, I I think it's going to be Ricardo Lamas more because he's been here. He's the vet. He knows how to handle the pressure. He can he can deal with everything that Algio can throw at him, and then some. He knows how to take it. He knows how to break it down, and he's just going to be the crafty old vet. Um, I think Lamas is going to take it too. Message to Algio, you need to change your fucking your little your little nickname. That's that's just fucking stupid. It's senior per senior perfecto. Get fucked. You're you're, you're, you're okay, you're Mr. Hispanic. Perfect? You're you're Hispanic? Cool. You're fighting out of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Get fucked. To be fair, that's still better. Than beefing twenty five seven overtime. Yeah, but like, dude, you're you're coming, you're coming into the UFC. Change, change that because that's that's some grade school dumb shit. This is this is this is big shit. Like this is like you can make a career off of that. You can make a living off of this shit. Do something branding wise. Look at you as a brand because that's what the fuck you are kind of go something that is slick and people will fucking remember. Whenever you say perfect, everybody's thinking about Kurt Henning from fucking the seventies <laughs> and eighties and that fucking dumbass little little unitard <laughs> with his beautiful bleach bond mullet, okay? You need to fix well, your shit. 
Well, no, no, no. Say, don't to, you fucking, don't you fucking badmouth yeah, Mr. Perfect fair, in a first, room with First me. of all, leave Mr. Perfect the fuck out of this. Yeah, leave Kurt, Hennig, all, get, leave Kurt Hennig out of this. Second of all, if that's the route you want to go with comparison, who the fuck remembers stunning Steve Austin? That oh, blonde-haired motherfucker with a, with a very, very tight neon yellow banana hammock. Not many, but every motherfucker in the world no Stone Cold Steve Austin, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold Stone said Cold so. Said so but see? that see that was a brand. That's They'll branding. Start working on Northern Light Suplexes. Case in fucking point. That's branding. <laughs> you need. He needs. He's young. He's just getting into the sport. Do something for branding because you are a business. You are your own business. Do something branding wise, man. I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing fighters come in with stupid nicknames. That make no fucking sense. They're childish nicknames. I agree. They they could definitely use some work. <laughs> Seriously, I'm just upset. I'm just upset that he badmouthed Kurt Hennig. I'm Kurt still Hennig trying to figure out. Kurt Hennig was the was the best wrestler. Right. I love Kurt Hennig. I love Kurt Hennig. Don't get that wrong. Don't get that twisted, real quick. Show I love. Us, I love show, us, show us on the action figure where Mr. Perfect hurts you, RJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where did Kurt Where did Kurt Hennig put the cocaine? Right. Jesus. Oh, dude. Oh, never mind. Never everywhere mind. everywhere that is would answer that right. would have that would have went that would have went straight to straight to a fucking patreon exclusive <laughs> oh no shit oh, but speaking of that will bring us to uh the next interesting matchup here um kind of a branding situation gone awry but not because of the nickname just because of how you marketed yourself here uh ji yun kim welcoming up from strawweight or excuse me yeah up from strawweight to flyweight that's what it was uh one alexa grasso this i feel is going to be kind of an interesting matchup here Strictly by the numbers here, because they took the number 14 flyweight and brought the previous number 14 strawweight up after she missed weight horribly for like the 73rd time in a row or some shit like that. Um, so Alexa Grasso has basically sold herself to the UFC as a strawweight. And that was not the case. She was not a fucking strawweight. And we saw that every time she tried to step on the fucking scale to the extent that Dana White said that she didn't have an option anymore. She's going to go to strawweight or she's going to go to a new division. Well, needless to say, this is the fruition of that ultimatum. She is making her debut at strawweight this weekend. Um, to be honest, I have not seen anything really out of Alexa Grasso at strawweight or in her social media presence to really give me any kind of indication that her time here at strawweight will be much different than her time was or her time at flyweight rather than her time was at strawweight she really hasn't shown a whole terrible lot of skill of well-roundedness she kind of is just an overwhelmer she kind of flurries and she flusters and it's not really the most impressive and there really hasn't been anything to lead me to believe that that's going to change now that she doesn't have to cut the weight that she already wasn't able to cut in the first place. Um, that being said, 
we have seen Jin Kim come out and just be a fucking scary, scary fucking prospect. She's got a number behind her name now, and that's for a very valid fucking reason. I think she's going to give Alexa Grasso a very bad welcome to the, the strawweight division. I think Kim is going to kick her fucking ass. Yeah, Jian Kim is from that uh, from the uh, the uh, Asian side of the house where they're very precise, very technical, um, and she is she is scary. She is scary. She's one of the few ladies who has a body knocked out. Yeah, like she <laughs> like it wasn't like it was fucking ugly. It was fucking ugly. And uh, uh, is she coming off a loss? I want to say Jian Kim lost her last time. That's what I'm she? trying to pull up right now. Uh, no, she bought. She beat uh, Nadia Kasim. Okay. Yeah, that was the body knockout. That, uh, I was gonna say that was her. Yeah, that was her body knockout. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's uh, she's she's. Car- Alexa Grasso can can try and overwhelm her. She's not going to scare, uh, Jiyun Kim, at all, uh, and I think she's gonna eat the fire fist. I love that nickname, by the way, Jiyun Kim, the fire fist. Hell yeah. I think she's going to eat the fire fist on this one. Alexa Grasso had some impressive wins when she showed up, but I think everybody's kind of got her game figured out, and she's fighting somebody who's who is just gnarly, just a gnarly little lady. So, yeah, have fun, Alexa Grasso. That's what it is. The fight before she landed that body shot knockout last, she lost to the other Shevchenko sister. Oh, okay. That's yeah, where, I mean, that's where her loss was, and it was the Shevchenko sister. So, I mean, yeah, you can't really take anything away from yeah. that. But yeah, Alexa Grasso hasn't really put anything impressive up in a while. I, I suppose there's an off chance that she. There's always there's always the puncher's chance, but right. she's she's going up someone with fire fists. Right. Yeah, from Team Impact. Like. Yeah. They don't fuck around over in South Korea on Team Impact. Those kids no. are fucking legit as it gets, man. Yeah. Very technical, very precise. Fuck yeah. Just start picking you apart. Next thing you know, why is my liver hurting so bad? <laughs> the only thing I can say nice about Alexa Grasso is the last thing she did that was impressive was she fucked Carolina Kovalkiewicz all up. Yes, she did. But and there's a reason fair. why you haven't seen her fight in quite some time. Right. That was the last... However... Not mistaken, she also missed weight in that fucking fight, too. She did. She did. By, I think, six pounds, if I remember right. Like, five and a half, six yeah. pounds. Which still pisses me off that um, Carolina took the fight, because Carolina's not a bad fighter. She's really not. She's not the greatest, but she's not fucking bad. No. However, you're going up to somebody who cuts down. And you going up is going to be basically you trying to make weight for straw weight, but you're actually just going to make regular weight for featherweight here. Perfect. You'll finally make fucking weight. Although, actually, you know what? Let me renege that statement. She'll probably fucking miss weight here too because she doesn't know how to control herself. And when I say control herself, you're a professional athlete. You sign a contract to make a certain weight. Your job is to make that fucking weight by any means necessary. Diet, 
running, exercising, cutting weight throughout camp slowly. Instead of trying to do it in the last 24, 48 hours, I'll even say 72 hours. Look, we all know the last bit of weight always comes off as water weight. That's just how that works for every fucking fighter. So I'm not going to say shit about that. But when you're missing weight by more than three pounds, look, I'll say three pounds. And three pounds is really fucking pushing the limit there. If you miss weight by more than two pounds, you're a fucking shitbag. I get it. Last two pounds, always the hardest to cut. You ask any fighter, that's always the case. You're missing it by three, six, fucking seven pounds. Get fucked. If you're not professional enough to do that, you're definitely not professional enough to come out and beat a killer like fucking Kim, who we've already seen just fucking straight decapitated fuckers already. I mean... Was her last fight against? Uh, is it like I don't even fucking remember, but it was a fucking KO, TKO in like the second round. Nadia Kasim body shot. Yeah, was, I'm saying, Kim, she's fucking dangerous. Grasso doesn't stand a high water's chance in hell in this fight. Period. In fact, I'll go as far as to say she gets knocked out too, within two rounds. I could definitely see that. In fact, um, I don't know why Dana White has even kept her. Like, if you can't make weight, right. you can't hold up your end of the bargain <laughs> on the contracts you've signed. That's like fucking not doing your job or knowing that you're doing something illegal at work because it works for you. That's grounds for termination, period. Fucking give her her walking papers, send her fucking packing. I hope she gets knocked out and then gets kicked out. Fuck her. I was actually about to say the same shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, one, she she's won, like, a very small handful of fights in the UFC. The amount of time she's missed weight. Get fucked. Like, She's been in the UFC for a few years. She's won a very small handful of fights. Yeah. Right there, you're instantly gone. You've been in for more than four years, and you only have a fight a year for a W? Yeah. Get packing. I got somebody else that can fill fill your shoes and be fucking ten times what, what, what you are. Two, you start missing weight. Yeah, instantly get fucked. I don't care if she... If... 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 Grasso gets a fucking eight second knockout. Get fucked. I don't care. You're you're too inconsistent. You're not doing what what we hired you for, what your contract says, and you're so fucking inconsistent. You're not even relevant anymore. Get fucked, Kim. You have a great fucking career ahead of you. Just based off of her last fight, yeah, opportunity. <laughs> Based off her last fight, with how nasty a body that the, the body knockout was, dude, she has a beautiful opportunity for a career out of this. Dude, get fucking go get it. I agree. I agree. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna get to see a hell of a show. I think she's gonna send Grasso's hype train right over the fucking cliff, and I'm really hoping she does. I don't understand Grosso, how it's still there, but Grasso, get fucked. Suck dick. It's the season to be ending hype trains, so. 
Mm. I hope this, this is, is the this next is the one. card. <laughs> this is the card of people getting walking papers and, and a, a, a man named Ricardo Long putting his gloves down. Right, hopefully. So, interestingly enough, this will bring us into the co-main event of the evening, where you ordered a side of French fries to go, and they bring you out a gold-plated bowl with truffle-topped hand-whipped mashed potatoes from an artisan field. This is the fight that no one thought was going to happen, and we somehow dumb-lucked into. Originally, this was going to be Neil-on-Neil violence for the co-main event. It was going to originally be Jeff Neil versus Neil Magny. Well, Jeff Neil almost died from the Backstreet Boys. He got it, he got it bad, like Usher would say. Uh, but luckily... He is recovering, he is over it, and he is starting to make his way through the tunnel, as it were. But in the meanwhile, the UFC decided that Neil Magny was back, Neil Magny is ready, and they're going to keep that fight there. And they gave us the fucking delectable gift that is Robbie Lawler to step in his fucking place. So instead of a legitimate order of soggy french fries to go, we have got a delectable hand-whipped potato dish to enjoy for everyone's benefit here. Uh, I think this is going to be a spectacular matchup because as much as I love Robbie Waller and as much as I love Neil Magny, neither one of these guys are spring chickens anymore. We're not going to see a fucking fireworks show from start to finish. This is a point at both of these gentlemen's careers where they have foregone the bullheaded rushness that both of them legitimately had when they were green and have both started to evolve into a more educated fighter i'm not going to say smarter i'm going to say more educated fighter but both of them are a lot more strategic and a lot more technical than they used to be and i think that is actually going to give us a spectacular matchup because it's not two guys who just want to run to the center and then fucking stand and bang in a phone booth this is two crafty veterans going against each other knowing that either one could pull a card out of their ass at any moment and completely flip the entire momentum of the fight and i think this is going to be a situation where as crafty as magni is i think at this point robbie lawler is still just too fucking tough to be manhandled and that's kind of what magni likes to do he likes to get his hands on you and try and throw you around and Ben Askren found out before Herb fucked that one up that trying to get your hands on Robbie Lawler is not always as fun as you think it's going to be. Sometimes you get thrown on your fucking head. And uh, I don't know that he's going to get thrown on his head, but I think Neil Magny is going to get a good taste of Robbie Lawler's power, and I don't think he's going to like it. I think Robbie takes this one. It's Robbie Lawler's once-a-year fight. Right. Um, which is good for him at this point because – He's on, but he's on a little bit of a skid. Yeah, he um, could use a little, little benefit. <laughs> he could use a little. He use a little benefit. Um, Neil Magny's last couple wins have gone to uh, decisions. Um, none of it's been pretty, but you know, Lawler's Lawler's coming up. He's coming off a year plus at this point. I'm not sure how much money they backed up to him to get him to take this fight, but. Um, I, I, Robbie Lawler is just one of the toughest son of bitches that's ever, ever walked through this, ever walked through this sport. Um, you know, I used to work next door to Robbie Lawler's dad, so I'm going to give it to Robbie Lawler. 
He's a Robbie Lawler's dad, the chiropractor. I were, he put me next door to the chiropractor, and I walked in. And I was talking to the dude, and he had all this UFC stuff standing around. I started talking to MMA with him, and I'm sitting there like, you know, Doctor Lawler, there's this guy, Robbie Lawler. And he's like, yeah, that's my son. It's like, fuck, really, dude? Nice. All right. But yeah, it was fucking awesome. It was awesome. So I give it to I give it to Robbie. I give it to Robbie Lawler. I think this this one might go decision. And the, both of them, both of them are really going decision at this point because yeah. they're they're both a lot smarter than they used to be. It's not quite as fun to watch, but if you're a fan of combat sports, these are two dudes that are really really interesting to see where they take things, and they're both very educated fighters at this point. So it's going to be a very smart fight. Uh, at least I think it's going to be a very smart fight. There's an off chance Robbie Weller just cold cocks him, so there's always that going on. But I think I think Waller's due for a win anyway. You know, this is a tough call for me on this one. Um, for two reasons, both of these guys have gotten better with age, in my opinion, as far mm -hmm. as the not straight going balls to the walls. However, this is where I'm having a really hard time calling this one. Neil Magny beat somebody I didn't think he was going to beat when he came back off the fucking bench. When he beat Li Jing Yang, yeah. I thought that was a fucking a fluke. But then he comes back, beats Anthony Rocco Smith. Okay. Rocco, or Rocco Martin, excuse me. That one, not as impressive as the Li Jing Yang fight. That to me was fucking impressive, which tells me he's gotten much better. Now, Robbie Lawler, on the other hand, he's had a fucking rough couple last year and a half. And I say rough because one of those fights, he should have won. But like the consummate professionally is, he said, you know what? Shit happens. You were just doing your job. You're a fucking hell of a ref. Shouldn't stop. Whatever. Right. Ben Aspen immediately then gets KO'd with a gigantic fucking knee from hell. Forever retires. Whatever. Moving on from that. But then he goes to decision with Covington. And I thought Covington was going to lose that fight. Covington did put on a fucking hell of a show that day. I'll give him that. But uh, he. That last year and a half, and then even his prior fight to that, I think his prior fight to that was uh, a loss to Rafael Dos Anjos. And then he also had a win prior to that against Cowboy Cerrone. But that was two fucking years ago. I mean, I think after this kind of rough little patch that we've seen over the last year and a half, I think Robbie's going to pull himself back together and we're going to be in for one half. I will call it, I'm not going to call it a war war, but I think we're going to see a good war between these two guys. I'm not going to say this is going to be a fight of the year candidate by any means, because these guys are too fucking smart for that at this point. Right. Uh, but we're going to see one hell of a chess match. And I have a hard time picking against Robbie Lawler right now, but Neil Magny in that Legion Yang fight, that showed me a lot about that old dog. He's still got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. So, I mean, I have, 
if I have to pick one right now, I would say Robbie Lawler, but it's so fucking razor thin for me because I would say this is truly a coin flip fight in my opinion. Because just based on that one fight, that's all I need to see of Magni to know that, man, he was back and with a fucking purpose. Because Li Jun Liang looked like he was on the fast track for a title shot at the time. He really did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, was, he was running for it for sure. Yeah, and then he fucking stumbled. But you know, I I would have to say I'm gonna give Robbie Lawler the benefit of the doubt for this purely because you know what? He usually doesn't go on this type of rough road for very long. He always brings it back around. I think this is he'll straighten the fucking course here. And he's going to squeak one out against Magni. It's going to be razor thin, but I think he's going to squeak it out. So, um, in case you don't know, which I've said it like every time Robbie Lawler goes to fight, I'm a big Robbie Lawler fan. Um, So I want Robbie Lawler to win. Purely on because of the fact that I love Robbie Lawler. Um, but I think like, both these guys, as everybody said, is very, very well matched. Pretty much around the board. I don't see this going to the ground. I see this being a primary stand-up. I think... I think based on just how tough and just resilient Lawler is, I think I think he's I think he's gonna get it. Um, if Lawler doesn't get a knockout, it's gonna be one of those decision fights. Now, every time I see No Magni fight, one very impressive. Two, we have seen the lip split twice now. When am I going to see another ear get ripped off? Because Magni, Magni got those, got them. He got some, he got some, he got some big old ears. I want to, I want to see another ear ripped off. We've seen it. We've seen it. You got against guys with big ears, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> We've, versus Kerr Hennig, now it's fucking ears. Right? This we've fucking seen, kid, man. We've seen it. We've seen this year is the year of the what the fuck lip rip. The Lawler lip rip. I want to see another ear get ripped off. Interesting. Because, one, it shows I'm a very fucked up individual. <laughs> Two, like... Lawler was like I I I I coined I coined the phrase the Lawler lip rip because he was the first person that you know we've ever seen with this his rip completely just fucking separated. I want to see him just fucking punch a man's ear off. That's all. <laughs> That's it. Kids these days. Oh, but that will bring us into the meat and potatoes portion of this meat and potatoes segmented show. This, 
this match is exactly the reason I titled the show what it is. Um, did you get your teeth tightened? Because if he did, if Anthony's got his shit back together from the absolute fucking wallop that Glover put down on him, I think this could be a very interesting fight. Uh, Alexander Rakich is a very, very exciting young prospect, but he's also very, very green in terms of fighting against bigger name guys. He's starting to make a name for himself, but he ain't there yet. Smith is about the biggest challenge he has had to date. The problem comes is that we might not see the Anthony Smith that we have grown accustomed to. Realistically speaking, he's lost a couple in the last few fights, and that last fight alone realistically might have retired lesser fighters. No exaggeration. The beating that he took, spitting his teeth out in the fucking ring, might have been enough to end the opportunity for lesser men. Anthony Smith is still here, so that leads me to believe that he's got some spin in him. He's trying. He's going to dig deep, and he's going to try and get back after it. The problem is, we've seen time and time again, just because you want to doesn't mean you can. Chuck Liddell still wants to fight. We've seen what happens when they let him back in. Even against another grandpa, it doesn't always fucking go how you want the fight to go. The biggest factor for me is Anthony Smith going to be able to get out of his own head and get back to the mentality that got him the original chance to fight John Jones for that belt? Or has he let his mental state relegate to such an extent now, coming off that Jones loss, and then getting the shit beat out of him by Glover, has he relegated himself to that point where he's just in it going through the motions at this point? Which we've seen plenty of other fighters do. When you get beat and you think you're the world breaker... You kind of just put it on cruise control and you ride it out till they send you on your way. I don't want to see that happen with Anthony Smith, but I'm starting to think that that might be what we're looking forward to here. Unfortunately, Alexander Rakich is not going to give him any breaks. The thing that happened in that Glover fight is that Glover just out technique the shit out of Anthony Smith. Cut him off at every pass, was smoother and better at everything he did. That's not how Rakich is going to fight. Rakich is going to come at him like a fucking freight train, and he's going to be just a fucking hardcore puncher. I don't see this going grappling. I don't see this going wrestling. I see Rakich coming across trying to Francis Ngannou his way through Anthony Smith. And if Anthony Smith hasn't gotten his shit back together mentally, it's going to happen. He's going to plow right the fuck through him. He's going to steamroll right over him, and we're going to see Anthony Smith one or two fights away from being in Bellator. On the other hand, if Anthony Smith has been legitimately working on his shit, getting himself back to where he used to be before all this shit started happening, Alexander Rakich is going to have a rude awakening on how quick his rise to the top is going to slow the fuck down right now. I like Alexander Rakich. I think that kid has a great fucking future. He's got so much fucking potential. But in this situation, I'm inclined to believe that the crafty vets are going to lead the fucking dance on Saturday night. That the experience of the veterans is going to shine through 
that Anthony Smith is going to know that he needs to get his head out of his fucking ass, get himself back together, and get back to what made him a household name to begin with, and he can take it. But if he doesn't, Rick is just going to put him to fucking sleep. I think for <clears throat> every Anthony Smith fight from now on, I'm going to be worried about how much damage he took in that fight. Because yeah. um, that was one of the... Uh, he showed that he will not be finished. Like, he will not stop. Right? Even up to the very last... Until the ref pulled, <laughs> pulled Glover off the top of him. He was still actively trying to defend himself. It's just... It was... It was just mercy at that point that the ref fucking stopped it because he, he took one of the worst beatings I've seen in the UFC. I don't know how much. I don't know. None of us know how, exactly how much damage was taken. Like, did that pop some shit loose in his head? Because he's fighting. He's fighting a fucking straight up knockout artist. He's he's fighting a dude that. Rachel will, come across that ring and try and put his fist through you. Um, that's kind of one of the great things about watching his fights uh is the fact that he just goes straight ahead and he's not afraid to go to decision he's done it several times in his career um so i think i think anthony smith is probably going to be ahead on technique uh he's going to be at a loss for power i think against rachel uh, but i this is all going to come down to how much damage did did anthony smith take by being a stubborn son of a bitch and he's a good dude He's one of the best dudes in the UFC. Um, actively tries to make his community better. Um, just a just a real good dude who came from some rough places and, and has never forgot it. And so I'm a big fan of Anthony Smith. I'm a big fan of, of, of what he's doing. But how much damage did he take? How much damage did he realistically take in that fight? Because it, it was fucking ugly. It was, it was hard to watch. As a fan, yeah. just as a fan of the sport in general, it was hard to watch that fucking fight. It really was. Yeah. If he, t I mean, you're you're right on point. You know, if Anthony Smith has gotten his, his shit grilled back, you know, shit duct taped back together, and his head's in the right place, this is certainly his fight to lose. Uh, he's a good he's a good enough fighter to where someone as green as Rachel shouldn't be all that big of a challenge for him. But if he's got damage, he's in his own mind after after that fucking fight. After that fight, how could you not be in your own head? Like there's a there's a very real chance he might get turned off on Saturday, and it, that's that's what it's all gonna that's what all what it's gonna come down to. I'm I don't think I think Rachel is gonna knock him the fuck out. Honestly, I just I realistically can't see that. I'm surprised Anthony Smith's back in the ring this soon. I, I'm I I'm I'm amazed that he's back in the ring this soon. I, my hat's off to him for being a tough guy. Dude, this is this is not the fight you wanted to come back in, come back with either. Because this dude's Rachel swings for the fucking fences. Yeah. And and he is he is knocks some names out. Like, dude. So yeah, I'm I I, I have to go with Rachel. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna turn Anthony Smith off and I'm I'm not gonna like watching it. But yeah, that's that's what I've got. I can absolutely understand it. I can absolutely understand that point of view. Well, I know this is beating a dead horse, but he took a fuck ton of damage in that last fight. It's, However, it's one the of those one things, thing that everybody's... It bears repeating, man. 
I, and it does bear repeating. We, I don't think I've ever seen a fighter in the UFC take as bad of a beating without a corner throwing in a towel Somebody. or a ref being able to stop the fight because yeah. the guy stopped defending himself at that point. Problem was, he was continuously defending himself. So he kept taking the punishment. And to be honest, I wish they would have mercy stopped the fight. However, he made it very clear that he told his corner not to throw in the towel, no matter how bad he's getting beat. The plus side for him going into this here, fighting ranking, he's not going to be fighting anywhere near the technical of a fighter as Glover Teixeira is. And I even said that about the Glover Teixeira fight way back when we did that. It was that in like April or May that that fight took place. I even said it. Nobody gave Glover enough credit. That dude's a technical fucking boxer. And he proved it. And, but I think the one thing that everybody else is forgetting, yeah, he lost to Jones. But then he immediately took a fight with Alexander Gustafson and submitted Gustafson. So he did have a win in between that and the Teixeira fight. So I don't think he's completely lost his stride. I think he just had a fucking absolutely miserable night at the office. Now, how much is that going to affect him going into this in a matter of, what, three months since the last one? What's surprising to me is that he got fucking medically cleared. Right? I agree. Because we're we're constantly talking about the medical suspension lists. And that fight should have been minimum of six-month suspension. No ifs, ands, buts. Fucking doctors, okay, is nothing. Six months after something like that. You watched him spit his fucking teeth out, pick them up, and hand them to the fucking rat. I think, I think that might have been one of the few fights that we have seen that I would legitimately be okay if they told him, you're out for six months and you have to have a doctor's clearance to come back. Not six months yeah, or... That's I mean, both. one of those few exceptions to the rule that, that should have been made. How much can you really come back in three months? Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping to God that he's back to himself. I mean, the dude is an absolute fucking animal. Honestly, one of the nicest guys on the fucking planet. If anytime you watch him, they have an interview with him. He's respectful, thoughtful. He's very well spoken. Mm-hmm. And hell, even watch when he comes in and he does the analyst job for some fights. He's great at that in the announcement booth. Granted, I'd much rather see him in the cage because he's a fucking fantastic fighter as well. I think he just had a really piss poor day at the office. Now, I'm going to throw a little MMA math in here because we know MMA math doesn't always work, but this one is suiting for this one. Um, Let's look at Alexander Rick and Anthony Smith. They both have a fight with Vulcan Ozdemir on their cards. Now, uh, Ozdemir was beat by Smith, but Rick lost to Ozdemir. So we're going to go this route and play the MMA math. Alexander loses this fight, period. Now, that being said, he's a straight power puncher. 
he does not have a whole lot of fucking technicalities in the way he throws. And I think what will happen here is long as Smith isn't still too rattled from that last fight, he's going to be able to mitigate the, those early onset slot onset that we're going to see out of Alexander coming in hard and heavy, get him to the ground and work some ground game on it and tire him out, push him against the fence, something along those lines to mitigate the damage that Alexander can do early in a fight. Uh, now, the catch-22 to that, he very well could get caught with one of those. It happens, but obviously he don't go out easy. If you can take that much damage from a very powerful Glover Teixeira and not go to sleep, Good luck, Alexander, knocking this motherfucker out. You'll probably catch him. I don't care how much damage he took in that last fight. I don't think you're going to knock him out. Um, I have to, just based on what we've seen on his chin and his will to not give up, thus the name Lionheart, I have to give this one to Anthony Smith. Unfortunately, I think Alexander just needs some more fights. He's a very solid fighter. And to be honest, I wouldn't doubt it at any bit that here in the near future, or I won't say near future, but here in the short future, we'll see him make a run at possibly a title shot. He's, he's good enough to do so. He just needs to tighten his game up and he'll do a lot better. But I don't think right now is his time. I think this is that turning point that we see for Anthony Smith to get back on the horse and possibly make another run at the title again, because you know what? It's an open world up there right now. Yeah, it's real interesting in 205 right now. Yeah, that, that definitely could make it real interesting. <laughs> so, I just want to talk about uh, Alexander for a second. The man has ridiculous power. He has decent timing. Like uh, his first fight, I can't remember who he fought, but he was attacking the legs and he was perfectly timing a leg kick with the his opponent throwing a leg kick and was constantly dropping him on his ass and just catching him off guard. But I, I, Alexander has a great has a great base to build a fantastic career off of. Um, he does have fucking ridiculous knockout power, but man, kid, you got a lot of fucking holes. You got a lot of fucking holes. Like one, he eats shots like a motherfucker because his hands are at his fucking waist or at his belly button. He doesn't guard for shit. If you're a power puncher, cool. You're also an MMA fighter, and the other person punches back. You have to fucking guard up and block your fucking face. Otherwise, that chin gets cracked, and once that chin gets cracked, everybody knows it's never the fucking same. He's constantly, like, you can watch him in the first fight, the Ozdemir fight. He's, his, his hands are, like, like, at sternum level, at solar plexus, just right there, just waiting for waiting for an opening just to throw a fucking haymaker. And he doesn't sh he doesn't really throw a lot of jabs. It, they're all fucking just wide hooks. 
So you throwing like that, standing like that, you're leaving yourself open to a lot of shots to the face, and he eats shots. He eats a lot of fucking shots. Two, you're throwing really wide. You're throwing quick, but you're throwing wide, and you're leaving yourself open to a quick step back and then jump back in with a counterpunch. Man, it's like... Your power is there. Your power is there. 100%. Nobody can deny that. But, man, you really need to tighten up what you're doing. You got to tighten that up to be to, to make that run for a title. You got to tighten that up. You got to get, get your game plan together. You got you to work, work on where your hands are at all times. You really got to start playing some quicker – some quicker jabs and some straights stop throwing those wide fucking haymaker hooks. Um, if, if Alexander does win, there's the possibility. I think it'd be down to a decision. I don't see him knocking out Smith. I just don't see it based off how he how he handled the absolute onslaught of the Glover Teixeira fight, you're not getting knocked out. Um, to to Smith himself, I don't know how the fuck you did that in three months. If you can pull this off, that just that's just another notch in the fucking belt of what of who the fuck Lionheart Anthony Lionheart Smith is. That's just that's just that's just another notch in the belt. As why you are a certified fucking badass in the in the mixed martial arts world, like Alexander, do you have a great you have a great career ahead of you? You just need to you just need to tighten your tighten your game up a little bit. You, like you have a lot of holes, and those holes will be exploited extremely easily, especially at a two hundred five weight. It's going to be interesting to, to see how it shakes out either way. Um, there really aren't a whole lot of other options that this fight can go, as, as far as I can tell, either. Anthony's got his shit together, and he's going to handle fucking business, or he doesn't, and Rakich is going to handle him. But we're going to have to wait till Saturday to find out either way. That, ladies and gentlemen, is all we have for this particular episode of the I'm No Joe podcast. I thank you very much for tuning in, whether you are here live with us in the audience, or you're catching this on a replay, or you're catching this on the all-audio version. I appreciate you just the same. So, before we get out of here, I do want to take just a moment and let these guys let you know where you can find them if you would like to talk some more individual shit after the show is over. So, at this point... If somebody wants to make a dibs on the next challenging for your interim new guy status after the discount gets you double checked, how could they find you, Mr. RJ? One, you can come find me over there on Instagram at RJ MMA official. Come talk to me about that good old interim new guy belt, or come talk to me about how you want to see another man get his ear ripped off because it's about fucking time. Or come talk to me about how, you know, Kurt Henning isn't really all that perfect. Um, you can find me over there on Instagram. It's been a great, it's been great talking to you guys. Um, great hanging out, like always. Thank you for letting me be here. Absolutely. And, always uh, appreciate your time, sir. Can't wait. Can't wait till Sunday. Hell yes. So that being said, 
at this point, aside from being ready to jump into the scavenger hunt and help us tear down the PNW to get Uncle Chael that hug he deserves, how could someone find out maybe why they should be inclined to put some money on a fresher guest going after the interim new guy title, sir? Um, so... I'm gonna go out in the out in the living room and start working on a rolling Northern Night suplex, just one after another after another, just to, just until RJ just can't handle the Northern Light suplexes anymore and stays down for the three count, all on Mister Perfect. That's what's gonna happen. We're ditching the old school DDT. We're gonna we're gonna bring it still old school, but a little bit more new school with a rolling with a rolling Northern Light suplex. So here's the question though. Are you gonna are you gonna wear the unitard and the wig? You better believe it. That baby blue unitard. Oh, yeah. I would expect and, no less. Are you going are you going are you going baby blue with like the uh, uh the two tone? Because sometimes he'd pull out that two tone. He would have that two tone with a little bit of black you, or yeah, a little yeah. bit or a little bit, yeah, we could yeah. I, like am I the heel in this fight or are you the heel in this fight? Like See, that really, I don't... that really Mr. Perfect was almost always the heel, so I might have to go with the baby blue and black on you. See, I don't know. See, th- 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 this, this also this also solidifies the fact that I like Mr. Perfect. That I can remember <laughs> before my time that it was that nine times out of ten it was a two tone unitard. Yeah, it sucks. <clears throat> For an MMA guy, you sure do pedal backwards pretty quick, right? Dude, I grew up. <laughs> I grew up watching wrestling, and fucking uh, Eddie Guerrero was like a god where I'm from. Yeah. You know. Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero is a wrestler. That, yeah, that would be like the world. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that, would be, that, that was... would be like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, like when I say like he's a god, like um, there's a school in Tampa that has three of his um, impalas sitting out front of it at all times. Nice. Nice. That being said, <laughs> I was going to say we, we are still on the lookout for Uncle Trail. So this week I've taken a little bit different track on this on this one meter. So what I did is I went down to the Rose Garden. I went down to the Rose Garden and I found a man alone. She was randomly tapping out hipsters. I tagged her and we're gonna see where we're gonna see where this electronic tag leads. Now this may be something to look out for on the submission underground because I did have to do it from a distance with a rifle. So I'm not getting anywhere near a alone. So then she may be a little bit slower than normal. But we're gonna try and follow the electronic tag. Hopefully she hopefully she hasn't chewed through the tag and is back out, tapping out hipsters and dumping their kombucha on their heads. Hopefully. And we can get to Uncle Chan and we can finally get him that how you deserve. But Amanda Lone is a wild animal, so she may have chewed through the tag. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Always appreciated. That being said, at this point. If somebody needs to get themselves some fried cheese curds and a little advice from the Kenosha Crippler on how to keep their shit together, how might someone find maybe a place to get a hold of you afterwards and get that information, TJ? Wednesday night's right here on the YouTube's 9.30 Central Time. You can also hit me on the Instas. I'm glad they respond to any messages. However, don't look for me to post anything. You can find me. I'm in hiding. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, sir. Always appreciate it. 
That being said, that is all we have for this particular episode, boys and girls. So we're going to go ahead and get the fuck on out of here. So if you enjoyed what we do here, maybe give us a thumbs up. If you appreciate the knowledge that we bring you that most other journalists don't, subscribe. We do this every week. If we gave you a mind-boggling epiphany of MMA knowledge during the course of our time here, share an episode. We're trying to grow this damn thing. Anyone, I don't mind. On the other side of that coin... If we're just a couple of bearded bozos and a new kid trying to get into the fucking cool kids club and not knowing what we're actually doing, give us a thumbs down. We earned it, and we won't dispute it. That being said, we're going to wrap this up for the evening. So until next time, don't forget, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless you're one of those assholes that hears Black Lives Matter and screams All Lives Matter. You can go fuck yourself. Good times that made us laugh